Welcome to episode 127 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I'm Jim. This is the Spotlight Weekday. Whatever you want to call it, I call it episode 127, as I already have. Hey, welcome. It is the post-holiday season, and now it's 2020. And here we are, and I'm here to talk two books tonight. I think both may shock and amaze you of what I have picked to talk about, even though I have it in the title you probably already know what they are. So I don't know if it's going to shock and amaze you anymore, but it's a shock and amaze me. But let me tell you where you can find us all around the internet. You can go to Twitter, where we're at WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, we'll follow you out of courtesy, peace, and love. Peace and love. We also have a website that is weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, where we review the Marvel Comics each and every Wednesday, usually they come out Wednesday at around 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is when most of the reviews do drop this past. I, I almost wanted to say that like ad rock, if you know what I mean. That would have been pretty cool, right? Pretty cool there, Jim. But this Wednesday, we were told by by Marvel that we couldn't put the reviews up on Wednesday because that was New Year's Day. They placed a weird embargo to put them out on Thursday, and nobody else followed the embargo but us, it seemed. You know, we follow the rules. This is the thing. You don't fake the funk, but you follow the rules. Rules are there for a reason, people, and keep the families together for the children is what I always say, right? And and the thing is, we followed the rules. I I think that the rule was a little BS. It was a little bit of a, oh, my. I'm not allowed to say stuff like that. But, yeah, I think that it was a bit of a bullcrap rule, and nobody followed it. And I'm I'm not mad at, per se, the people who put up reviews. But I'll tell you, as your reviews, if you are one of the sites that put up reviews, as reviews hit and and you you guys put the reviews up, I started grinding my teeth more and more and shaking my fist at you because, yeah, I was was angry and, and angry at Marvel about why would you have a embargo for a Thursday when you did push to have midnight parties, even though it was New Year's Eve, for Thor number one. Uh, riddle me that, people. I don't know how that happened, and it really did upset me. But we also have a Patreon if you want to support us for this podcast. Maybe you also listen to the DC podcast. Maybe you listen to a couple other podcasts and think they're us. And I'll just go with it. I won't correct you. I'll just say, okay, until you say, those are bad. And then, ah, that's not ours. That must be something Eric does on his own. Uh, But if you do want to support us for this podcast, or you really just want more and more weird science, I mean, who doesn't want more of this nonsense? You can go over to patreon.com slash weird science, sign up. Each level you go up, you get more and more shows. And that is including the patreon spotlight we have a marvel patreon spotlight that again this came out on wednesday no embargo on that i'm not gonna allow an embargo on a podcast right so that came out on wednesday night and it was a big one uh the bad butts get to pick if you go all the way up to the bad butt level that's the top level you get to pick all the shows that we do including the books that we talk about on the patreon spotlight they picked hawkeye freefall number one and thor number one pretty much the big books and it actually shocked me i i see that Hawkeye Freefall number one seems to be the the darling. That seems to be the darling, the bell of the ball, if you will. Uh, I did not give it a 10 on the podcast, on the Patreon spotlight, but that's only because I'm not a hack. It's why, and I don't give perfect scores to every book that comes sauntering down the lane and winks at me. You know, here's the deal. I have standards. I, I may be cheap, but I'm not easy. And also... I was told by my mom growing up that if you're the cow, you give the milk, but not for free, because then you're an utter disgrace. You get that? I threw a pun in at the end. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. But one of the things, 
with this is the bad butt level. If you go, you get to vote everything. But also, you also get to hear me say your name over a karaoke version of Bad Guy by Billy Eilish. So who wouldn't want that? Because now we're going to do that. Here we go. This is this is what you get. Ah, uh, yes. These are the bad butts of the Fresh Start crew. We got T-Funk, Niels T-Wart, my man Rob Lewis, Bertalakachuk, Dalton, Edom, Christian Faltz, Ken Halleck, Lady Abby, John Jack, Nick Adams, Mark Jager, Josh Vermillion, Aldrin Stoja, Batman Beyond Mark slash Mandalorian Mark slash uh, Spider-Man 2099 Mark slash Doom 2099 Mark. I just wanted to throw that in as well. Eric G, David Fink, Manship, oh, Manship, Brandy Murray, Bobby Bain, Reggie Hancock, Admiral Whiskers, Sep Nine, I like to call him Brennan, Ben Townsend, Forrest Polly, Tony Walton, Joey Bear Costco, Joseph Watchstick, Comic Boom Rocky, D-Man 3000, All New Dave, Carlos, Ian, Brian King, My Man Pete from NYC, Polly P, Cellar Dweller, Luis, Ulysses Jones, Akeem, Double Aaron, Simon, Swanee, Anthony G, Missy T, Lone Wolf Marv, and Ruben. Those are the bad butts. I almost lost my breath. There's too many of these bad butts going around, huh? Uh, but also salute everybody that does support us over at the Patreon on any level. We really do appreciate it. And I hope that you're getting the bang for your buck. We don't like to just ask for money for free. We actually put up a lot of podcasts. I believe we're over the 900 show mark. So we have 900 shows that you can get involved with, usually about 30 plus a month. So it's not anything. And these are up to hours long. These aren't just, you know, things that are two minutes, any sort of, you know, nonsense. We don't really like to use like, hey, listen to us chatter before the the podcast. Who who wants that? If it's not good enough to be on the podcast, hey, good enough for you to listen to us, what I say. And I don't like to edit things. So why would I take that out? Plus, if I'm talking to myself before this podcast, I got something else wrong with me. But that's the end of the intro. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that this has been a wild ride for you so far. But now we're going to go off to the books. All right. And the first book is going to be Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda number five. I haven't been talking about this book for a couple months. So I'm jumping back. This is part one of two. So you have a two part story. It's starting here uh, called Egregious Autonomous. I can barely even say that. Uh, if you haven't been reading this book or you kind of fell off like me, then this is a fine time to jump in. It's very new reader friendly. You don't have to have read any of the series to jump in. The characters are well known enough, the main characters, that you really can jump in with those. And the newer characters, at least for the story, are spelled out with names and abilities and things like that if in fact you don't know say a dr nemesis or a Roz solomon those are the two that are joining him for this little adventure and it is written by jim zub who still doesn't know that me and him are having a rivalry scott eaton on pencils sean parsons on inks colors by marcio amenez and eric arcianega and letters and production it's the production line by VC's Joe Sabino, and I'm going to read the solicit that tells you a little more about what's going on uh, than the kind of generic blurb. You end up with Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda ends up having just the generic Black Panther got a bunch of guys and they're the Agents of Wakanda now. They do all the crazy work that the Avengers don't want to. That's my version. But this is the solicit for this issue number five. An old shield cachet of experimental technology is a ticking time bomb. The agents of Wakanda need to defuse, but only if they get there before Deadpool. Time for a rematch between the King of Wakanda and the Merc with a mouth and adding more fuel to the fire. The return of live wires. So there is a bunch of things going on. Uh, the rematch that they're talking about is the rematch between the Black Panther and Deadpool from their miniseries, Black Panther and Deadpool. That's and it was a good miniseries. Me and uh, me and Brandon actually really liked it. And Live Wires are in this. I am not very familiar with Live Wires, but what I really liked, what I thought that was really neat, and maybe they do this more often than I thought. But I really like that if you go to the end, you get to the end, you get there, and you know there's no letters page here. So what you end up having is a Thing like, hey, everybody, you wait till next week. You're going to see this. But also they have, hey, 
You like the idea of these live wires? Well, for more, check out the six issue live wires miniseries by Adam Warren and Rick Mays on Marvel Unlimited. And I thought that's a really, really smart thing to do. I know a lot of people sit there and say, hey, you know, when we have these Marvel movies, they should have commercials for the, the comics and things like that. And it doesn't really go one to one where there's that crossover going. But I do know that people reading a comic may be interested in reading more comics. And I think that that's where you you have this idea where you have Marvel and DC. And this is a little soapbox talk before the deal. But you end up having a lot of people probably getting paid right now to figure out how to get new readers, figure out how to get this billion dollar movie industry to translate into comics. And that's fine and good. They, They should try to figure this out. Nobody's been able to figure it out yet. But if they do, We'll all be millionaires. For some reason, all of us will be. I don't know why. They'll just have so much money, they'll start giving it out. But I do think that in the little bit of, you know, advertising and sales that I've been involved with, you end up really trying to get the people who are already involved in what you do to do more. You know, if they're buying your product, you want them to buy more product. If they're buying your service, you want them to do more services. And so the idea of putting that at the back where you might have somebody who's not getting the Marvel Unlimited, but then when they see, oh, what, my, like they have something like live wires there, I'm going to check this out. I think that is really, really well played. I think that is a really smart thing to do. And I'm going to get off my soapbox to tell you about this issue i already said the active agents in uh, this a little bit of an adventure is janet van dyne aka founding avenger the wasp okoye director of the aow and the leader of the dore milia and you have james bradley aka dr nemesis and ross solomon former agent of shield now i have said this before when i reviewed this way back when issue one and two or so is the idea that you on the bench right now we have brew we have Gorilla Men. We have Fat Cobra. We have, and those are cool characters. And it, it really does kind of kill me with the idea that you don't have your whole team going in. Kazar is another one. J- Jason Strongbow, Mockingbird, Manwolf. These guys are all on the bench. And the thing is, maybe we should get to the point where it's like nowadays in sports, which does drive me nuts, but everybody gets to play. Now, they do eventually in their little stories, but the thing that gets me here is even in this story, there's no reason really that, you know, James Bradley is picked that we know of just going here because it's kind of a thing that just pops up and they go. And they're going to talk about the first thing that, that pops up, I hear. But, but when you're doing this, I just wish that you'd have them all. And I know that it'd be a huge team, and I'd be afraid that some people would get lost in the mix. Um, but maybe Jim's, uh, maybe he'll get used to the characters. Like I, I don't know, but I'd like to have a couple more of the really cool characters going here, and not just because you have Roz Solomon because she's a former agent of Shield, and this may deal with Shield things. I just, you know, I want Brew there, just to have Brew. I just want to have some fun, just like the gals like to have the fun. And so you start off, and you have Black Panther meditating. He's meditating on his mother's words of wisdom. He, uh, you know, am I the blade that I chose to wield? Am I the blade that goes against the the world? Things like that. He does get interrupted by Koye, who's got a few things on her mind. And the few things are, hey, Black Panther, why we got all these crazy people in our team? You know, what's going on? Why are we doing this? We got a lot of warriors in Wakanda. We can kind of have them, and they might be better. And to that question, you end up having a answer that I like tied in with something that I hate because you do have Black Panther say, well, you know what? They're pretty cool, right? You have these cool tips, but they do have these weird capabilities. They have these, you know, powers and things that may come in handy. He's like, yep, I I get that. Okay. Then he says, and also Wakanda kind of stretched in where we have a lot of stuff going on. I want wakanda our country to stabilize i'm going to be a king here i want it to stabilize a little also these weirdos they're expendable and i'm like really like why are you saying that 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 really threw me off I, that doesn't feel to me like a black panther thing and kind of just made me like oh that stinks uh her other question is if i'm the leader like i'm mo of the three stooges but we already have you know larry and curly you, you show up like shemp 
and nobody likes Shemp. So why are you with us? Why do you keep showing up on these missions each time when I'm supposed to be the leader? And he's about to answer. And he says he does trust her implicitly. Um, but she says, you got to let me handle these things. They get interrupted. Dr. Nemesis gets on the comms and says, hey, we got a situation going there. Uh, hey, what's up? What's going on, Dr. Nemesis? Well, they got a pop-up signal call. Just went from a previously unknown underground, underground shield installation located in Death Valley. They ended up having a code. Uh, they ended up with a match of an old AIM backup file. They ended up cracking it. And basically, they have said that this whole thing is pinging as Project Livewire. So there is where you get the first hint that the live wires are going to be in, or at least some of them. And so they're they're going to get gear up, guys. You know, we're going to get going. Like, oh, wait a minute. We also got another signal from Death Valley from near this location. Oh, it's an Instagram post. Let's check. Oh, no, it's Deadpool. And Deadpool's just like, what up? You know, I should I should hit that. I have that. He's like, hey, what up? And, and so he's doing all this stuff, and he basically like, it's hot out here. I, I got sweat in my butt crack, and I'm doing all this stuff. But hey, that's what you do when when you're going, you boil your balls off when you're going for the big score here. And he is going for the same installation that they are. And then he gets hit by a truck uh, as he's doing this Instagram deal. He's pretty much, you know, being crazy in the middle of the road and a semi comes and just runs over him. The guy gets out. You have a mangled up Deadpool that's in the cactus. He's got cactus needles all in him and stuff like that. The guy tries to call 911. He says, no, no, false alarm. They do it. And it's it's okay. I'm not going to say that this is the funniest Deadpool I've ever read. It's not. Uh, Is it? accurate deadpool yeah but it's just it almost seems like somebody who might be trying a little too hard to be funny with deadpool but really isn't getting it as well so that that was one of my disappointments or pretty much the only disappointment i'll tell you i like this issue but you end up with deadpool kind of there as a distraction because he's not as funny or cool as he can sometimes be uh he ends up going over to find this shield installation has a computer type keyboard, you know, entry deal in a, a false rock that he ends up seeing. And even even that part, it, it doesn't play out for laughs, even though I think it was supposed to be. But it opens up a huge, giant hole that's the entrance into this facility. And as he's there, even when they were suiting up back you know, when they first got the whole mission there, uh, Black Panther had told Dr. Nemesis to load up on the tranks, get your gun, let's go. And you do end up having Deadpool getting tranked in the side of the head slash neck. He ends up passing out and goes right into this hole. And believe me, the hole is very, very deep. And Dr. Nemesis, where they do give you the rundown of him, which I always love in a book, and it's James Bradley, Dr. Nemesis, mute with enhanced intelligence and advanced knowledge in genetics, computers and engineering, biotech, augmented body with an elongated lifespan, disease resistant, enhanced eyesight, and the ability to detect genetic anomalies and a heck of a mask, a surgeon's mask. And he is an agent of Wakanda, obviously. Uh, he's like, hey, hell of a shot, huh? And Black Panther's like, yeah, yeah, you may not have let him go into the hole. I mean, maybe you could have shot him a different way so that his momentum went somewhere else. He dropped in the hole. That's not what we really wanted. He's like, well, you know, I got the polarity and the singularities going. Uh, but you end up having Janet say, no, nah, no, nah, I'll just go down there. Let me see. Let me see if I can go. And he, she, you know, flies down, turns in the wasp and flies down. And it, it's long. It's very, very 136 feet. They actually say how deep it is. Because of that, old Deadpool, he, he landed kind of awkwardly. He, he didn't stick the landing. He, he is like a pretzel all over. His legs are pointing different ways with feet going other ways. Still has the trank in his, in his neck and his arms are all messed up. And he says, hey, Janet, I, I, this is actually okay. I like the dialogue. Again, it's not exactly... Ha ha funny, but hey, Janet, can I call you Janet? Uh, can you get this trank out? Because it'll help my healing. I'm like, I don't know about that either because it would have already been emptied out and it would kind of go through a system, but that's fine. But she's trying to help Deadpool as he starts to regenerate. They do get attacked by what Deadpool thinks is a ghost. Uh, it does end up being 
one of the the live wires and it it is hollow point ninja and i'm sorry for my struggle because i don't really know these characters and hollow point ninja is pretty cool he's got this big giant sword that he's trying to fight with and trying to grab wasp as well at this point Roz comes down too and they give you the little rundown rosalind Roz solomon former agent of shield environmental specialist current agent of wakanda and she ends up having what I, I really, really like the suit that she has on, the super suit she has. It's a Wakandian deal where she even has a shield over her face that ends up being able to target things and stuff. It's pretty cool. Even Janet says, I got to get some of them goggles. They're pretty cool. And they're going to town on Hollow Point Ninja. But as this goes on, we get the other live wire comes out. That's uh, the uh, social butterfly comes out and she ends up having... The ability to use pheromones, it's very Poison Ivy-esque. She ends up using pheromones on Roz, and Roz almost pretty much with a smile lets her blow her head off. Uh, But then you end up having where a, you know, what's cool in this, and I think it plays out well, you have a Deadpool throughout all of this is regenerating. He's got his healing factor going. Well, Roz has the Wakandian suit, which actually does start to purge the mind-altering particles it's almost like her own little healing factor you know not as good as a real healing factor, but it's kind of that sort of thing what i do like where it ends up that she can kind of get her senses back and and punch social butterfly well that is when black panther comes we have a fight and really the rest of this issue is just a full-on fight where they're trying to figure out what and who these live wires are there is the joke of pretty much, hey, you're robots. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't use the R word around here. I, this is me being hollow point ninja. That's how I think he he talks. He doesn't look like he's from Brooklyn. I'm going to assume he is. Hey, what you talking about the R word here is what I want. But yeah, so it's it's a pretty good fight. It's going on and on as you then also have a Koye and Dr. Nemesis come down. You have Black Panther fighting Hollow Point Ninja. And Hollow Point Ninja is doing a really good job. You do end up where Black Panther kind of slashes the Hollow Point Ninja's face. And that's where you get like the classic horror movie tech type deal where the slashes that cut open his face then show circuitry and buzzing stuff. And, and that's where you end up having Janet. That's her in. And she ends up shrinking down and goes through the circuitry of hollow point ninja there and ends up shutting him down from the inside and he just i have been compromised see now he's not from brooklyn now he's just a robot hey hey i've been compromised oh is what he said and he falls down and they do then end up you know pretty conveniently knocking out the social butterfly the other live wire right then so they think okay now well done you do have black panther which is kind of you know bs because He's now again front and center. Okoye was already mad about this, uh, which I think will lead to an idea where Okoye will probably save them all by the end of this. But you end up where, even, hey, well done, everybody. And Deadpool's there. He still rejects. Me too. No, not you. But you end up where they have a thing where all of a sudden these circuitry all over the place, walls and, and you know floors are circuitry type deal. But there is a voice that's going from, you know, that things are established things like that there is a ai voice that every time there's something going on it does activate says what's going on it says scan complete capabilities evaluated as if it scanned the entire team and they just get zapped they get zapped and they end up passing it says initiate countermeasures they pretty much all get tased and as they're falling you do have black panthers like no gotta call for and he's gonna try but then He does wake up. You end up going back to that beginning with the meditation deal when he was thinking about his mom and am I just a sword and things. So he's doing this as he's passed out. He wakes up first. You see Okoye at least. Well, not first because you do have Deadpool there as well. But you also have Okoye still passed out. You end up having Dr. Nemesis passed out. But you end up having Black Panther wake up and he's like oh and you get a voice from off panel say hey chin up t'challa i appreciate you keeping the world safe while i dealt with other business and it is shield but it's the nick fury and i'm talking og nick fury who's there and he's like trust me shield can take it from here pretty big thing pretty big deal now you've already got the live wires so you can maybe think that this is a robot we'll see uh or it could be really og 
Nick Fury, which is cool. He looks great. Deadpool's kind of there with them, but you have the rest of the live wires team that you didn't get before. You also see as they're there, there is like a a, a bridge type catwalk thing over between our team and Nick Fury and the live wires and Deadpool. And below this little catwalk deal, you do end up seeing characters and you can't really make out a lot of what's going on, but a lot of other characters that are in pretty much back to tanks if you're a Star Wars fan, but they're in there looking like they are being healed slash made slash whatever. But yeah, it's a pretty cool ending. The art I think is great in this whole issue. The art, the coloring, everything looks really good. You end up having a very extended fight, but I enjoyed it because I didn't know the Live Wires team. So seeing them fight, seeing what they're capable of, especially Social Butterfly, I thought was really cool. But then kind of the lead from going hey we're fighting this black panther slashing you know bulletproof ninja there in the side and then janet able to take advantage of that i like the progression of that i like the teamwork i liked it was done in a smart way uh the only thing that i have the complaint is you left a lot of the other characters sitting there but i had fun with this i really did uh i do like this story at least i'm gonna be back doing this i'm gonna do the next one definitely and if it continues i hope that this is a book that I can have fun with. A lot of people liked it while I wasn't. So it's not like everybody's hated this book and I've just been like, yep, I don't like it either. It just didn't get me uh, the first couple issues and I just kind of fell off it because of that. And I'm glad I came back because I really do like this. Overall, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. I thought that it was well done and well done by Jim's up. So I'm looking forward to going forward. But now I'm going to go to the second and final book of the podcast. All right, and the next and final book will be Star Wars number one. We're getting the Star Wars book restarting at number one in a tale that takes place at the end of Empire Strikes Back and should continue towards the return of the Jedi. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, Brandon is not. If I asked him right now, hey, Brandon, you like the Star Wars? He's like, set that thing with the TARDIS. You'd never say that because he has no idea what Doctor Who is either. I do not think they allow that in Buffalo. Uh, He might say, hey, is that the guy that says live long and keep going? Yes, that is. That is that is Spock there. Brandon, you are correct, sir. But this is written by Charles Soule, art by Jesus Saez, colors by Jesus Saez, and Ari Prianto, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And yeah, Brandon would never talk this. So this is prime real estate for the weekday slash spotlight show because it's just me and i love the stars there's no recap page because there's a crawl people of course there is and it's the destiny path part one the rebel alliance has been scattered following their defeat at hoth to evade the empire han solo princess leia organa chewbacca and c-3po fled in the millennium falcon in hope of finding refuge with han's old friend lando calrissian but darth vader arrived at cloud city first and forced Lando to take them prisoner as bait to Lord Luke Skywalker in no trap. Leia managed to lead the others in a daring escape, though Han Solo was lost to Vader's bounty hunter. It's weird they don't say Boba Fett there, but they don't. And Luke now reels from his defeat at the hands of Darth Vader. It also doesn't say that Princess Leia and Han, they were smooching, because he's a scoundrel he is. Also, yeah, I love you. I know. I don't have any of that because what we do is we have that, but we go back a little bit to show what Luke's thinking of. And Luke is thinking of him losing his mind, finding out that Darth Vader is indeed his father and losing his hand from Darth Vader's lightsaber. And you end up seeing the hand and the lightsaber tumble down into the depths of Cloud City. I know that at one point I was told in the expanded universe that they ended up cloning his hand. Uh, that's pretty cool. I'll tell you right now, the art in this is incredible. And even the the cauterized hand falling and as it falls, letting go of the lightsaber as they both fall. So awesome. It looks so great. And really, I mean, I love a cauterized hand holding a lightsaber. That's really, are you happy to see me? Is that it? Uh, but yeah, so Luke is thinking of this while in the Millennium Falcon. It's after Leia had gotten the force call. And it's weird that Leia likes not like, yeah, you were in my mind there, pal. How'd you do that? But, you know, things are crazy right now. They're doing some crazy deals. And really what they're dealing with mostly is the idea of Lando being a son of a gun 
and pretty much selling them out because Han's gone. And they're trying to figure out, should we go get Han? Can we fake? Can we get him that? But they can't. You know, Boba Fett and Slave One, they're gone. Yes, they're going to go and try to find him in a little bit. Luke's all for it because then Luke's just sitting there. He's all depressed. He's got like what is a cast type thing over his stump because nobody wants to see a stump. It, it seems to be some medical unit thing that's on there. And he's listening and, you know, sitting there at the space chess table. Uh, and he's sitting there and he hears like Han's got what? What, what happened to Han? Like, well, he got captured. He ended up getting captured. He's like, yeah, I kind of remember that. I was kind of there. He's real dazed. He's real out of it. Uh, You end up having Lando like, who the heck is this? Why did we double back? That's why we lost Han. We're not going to be able to get Slave One because we have to go back for him. Who is he? And that's where Leia's like, his name is Luke Skywalker, Lando. And I don't know if you understand this, but he destroyed the Death Star. And really, if she had a mic, she should drop it. And if Luke had it, maybe he could use it as a hand because he might not be able to drop it because he's only got one hand. And who knows what he's doing with that other one. But he's like, really? Like, that's him? I guess that's why Darth wanted him so bad. And so they have this whole deal. And like, hey, you have everybody. We lost a lot of things. Everybody's lost something. Yeah, I lost my Cloud City. I mean, really, Bespin, all this is it's done. And you end up where C-3PO, of course, because it's going to be accurate. He's annoying. And I lost my arms and legs. I was blown apart. See, classic C-3PO. And they all just look at him like, really? Like, you shut your mouth. And it's funny because I yell uh, to Eric all the time at work that I hate C-3PO. And I don't hate him. I love him because he's great and he's in Star Wars. But I hate him just as much because he's so annoying. And I'm an R2-D2 fan. And, And if you know me... And some people listening do. You, you can't have one or the other in any sort of fight. I mean, if you if you like C three PO, then you can't like R two D two. It's it doesn't go in my mind. And I like R two D two, so I can't like see. I'm an R two D two guy. If you like Star Wars, then you can't like Star Trek, right? So these go. If you like Cheerios, I'll slice your throat because they're a BS cereal. And nobody should like those. But you end up going where Leia's like, "Are you okay?" And you end up having Luke saying, I I was in trouble. I was really in trouble here fighting Darth Vader. And I reached out to Ben with the Force, and he didn't answer. He didn't get back to me. And I don't know what to do now. I I don't know if this is like, did it go straight to voicemail? Or maybe like it rang three times, and you can tell that it was ringing, and, and he declined the call when it went to voicemail. That's worse. And he doesn't know if... Maybe he's been ditched by Yoda and Ben, and maybe he has to try to figure out things on his own. And I like this here. I like the idea that we're seeing some things because this isn't even at the end of Jedi or Empire Strikes Back yet because they still haven't gotten the deal where, you know, the big joke where Lando's like, hey, if I'm going to fly the Millennium Falcon, I better look like Han and puts his clothes on. But you end up where they're heading off towards that. And Leia says... Well, you're pretty strong there, Pally boy, uh, and you're probably going to get your own path going. And it's also funny, too, is because at this point, you still have one of the last things that Leia had interacted with Luke is kissing him when he was getting healed on Hoth. So you, you have that, but now all of a sudden, you know, we know they're brother and sister, so they can't do that. In the meantime, she's been smooching up a storm with Han. And things, but it's kind of funny. But you end up where they have to figure out where they're going to go. Lando has a lady, lady friend that owes him a favor. You have Leia. Oh, of course she does. I mean, of course you have all these ladies, whatever. But no, we're going back to the Rebel fleet. We're going to go back. Uh, I don't care what you say. And Lando's like, do you think that's you know a safe thing? Darth Vader's after this kid here. They're after you as well. They really want you dead. This whole deal. We're not really conspicuous here in the Millennium Falcon. And, uh, you know, it did do the Kessel run. And so you end up where she's like, I don't care what you say. We're going back to the fleet. We're not going to your lady. We're not going for the booty call there, Lando. We're going off to the rebel fleet. Unfortunately, when we do see, because they're hitting, you know, light speed to go off, well, we do go off to see the rebel fleet. And you end up where the at least two of these 
you know, fleets that they separated to get off of Hoth and all that, they're, they're getting decimated. One is actually destroyed already, and we're seeing the other one pretty much getting close to that. They end up where they have a pretty cool new character, at least I don't know her. It's Commander Zara, who seems to have a bit of the force in her as well. And if she doesn't, would she like to have it? But she has, as she's also a great uh, strategist. So she is ending up pinning the rebels that are, you know, in their escape vessels and their big ships and things trying to get out also with the X-Wings fighting TIE fighters, things going on a big battle, but she's pinned them against a star and then with the star destroyers that are pinning them in. So they can't really get through. They're having a lot of problems. They can't hit light speed and they're just going to end up just picking them off like, you know, fish in a barrel here, it seems. And you do have one of the uh, frigates go down you know basically just blows up as we end up getting to it so a lot of people die right there nobody's getting through you do have this little aside to show you what this commander zara can do where she ends up seeing or they report to her an x-wing is broken through and might be able to get out of the blockade now it's just one x-wing now, they, they, she does say, like, ooh, look at you, little X, when you're going to go off and tell your friends that you're safe and what's going on with our plans and things. And she says to the one of the techs that's doing the, the guns, and these guns are auto-firing, you know, from all these things. But on her, their Star Destroyer, which I will mention is Tarkin's Will, she ends up saying, okay, well, take one of the guns here, take it off auto. I'm going to manually, manually use that gun. And the guy's like, what? There's no way. It's it's basically mirroring the whole idea of Luke turning off the targeting system when he did blow up the Death Star. Because the guy says, you know, why would you do that? The, these guns, they're more accurate on auto fire. And they, they do this and that and the other thing. And she's like, you know, do it. And this other guy who's with Saura says, you, you do what you're told there, buddy. And you're going to see something magical. Magic's about to happen. It's like David Copperfield came in this joint. And she does end up. And it's funny to me because. You end up having a deal where the gun just seems to be a red button she presses. I mean, really, it doesn't seem that impressive of what she does, but she does blow up the sex wing, showing that she is pretty good. Again, seems to be force sensitive in my mind, if not something a little different, but it does seem that she seems almost like the dark version of Luke here. Uh, and she does blow this thing, even when she's like, oh, you think you're going home free, little rebel? Oh, you're going to warn your friends, do you? You think you're safe? And then, boom. Well, you're not. So she she is a cold hearted snake, too. But then you you go and you, you're going to be introduced to a couple characters that, uh, you know, obviously will play out going forward. They're these soldiers that are in one of the frigates that are being transported. And they even say, like, man, I don't like being in here. We're soldiers. We should be fighting. This stinks. Uh, but then they also have uh, the one guy's like, or the one lady, I don't know, I like just hanging out. And they're pretty cool characters. I You don't really get much of them. They're just there so that when we go forward, you will find out more. Then you're introduced to a fighter pilot. You, you get a lot of things right in a row. You have Shara end up being one of the people. And it's pretty cool. You get them pretty quick. You don't really know them so well yet. So I'm looking forward to meeting and learning more about them. Uh, as this is going on, it does look like the the rebels are in big trouble. But then the Millennium Falcon comes out of light speed with this, and everybody is. It's one of those. It's like inspires the rebels a bit. You end up having the Zara, the commander. She knows the Millennium Falcon. She wants to destroy it. They're really going through all these things to try to destroy it. They take some some Tie fighters off of what they're doing to go get it. All the guns are going towards you know destroy this Millennium Falcon. And so while this is going on, you end up having Lando jump into the pilot seat and you have Leia and Luke go off to fire the guns. Very New Hope-esque, except Luke only has one hand. So they go off to try to do this and they are, you know, going at it. Leia's doing good. Luke's having, you know, a couple difficulties. But what ends up happening is through all this, he ends up thinking of his hand getting cut off again. He thinks of Obi-Wan lying to him about his father. You know, he even has the deal. Your father was betrayed and murdered, you know, by Darth Vader. And then you have Darth Vader. I'm your father. I, you know, it's your destiny. You know, join me. All these things. And Luke is pissed. He's, you know, upset more. You know, he's pissed, but also very emotional, sad, whatnot. 
And I know that some people, I know Andy on the site had an issue with this because then what happens is he kind of ends up having a force freakout kind of deal where he does end up having these TIE fighters because a bunch of TIE fighters are coming at them and they're going to destroy the Millennium Falcon. Well, he ends up having this freakout that ends up making it so all the TIE fighters smash into each other. They end up crashing into each other and also then they're easy pickings to really just destroy, which they do. And I know Andy said to me, because he sent a message, and he said, you know, it's kind of ridiculous where there's a Luke who can't even lift, uh, you know, a X-Wing out of a swamp, but now he's doing this. And when I read it, I was wondering how this was going to be. And the way that I can make it work, and I think it does work, is the idea that he's not doing this consciously. He's not trying to do this. This is an emotional thing. This is a dark side thing. And this is a thing where you ended up having Yoda warn him, you know, the emotions that leads to the dark side, all those things, anger leads to the dark side. Well, he has all those right now and he's mad at Ben and Yoda and maybe himself and Darth Vader and all these things all into one. And it just becomes a full out emotional deal where he does have a force spike that ends up doing this. I think he's also, I'm telling you, I think he's also a little frustrated that he can't fire you know, like he did before, so people can tell him not to get so cocky. He he wants to hear that again, and maybe from Leia. Oh my, oh my. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so he's just so frustrated that it goes. It's not like he's there and he's moving him around, but it does happen. And I think that that's the start of this, of a you know a progression and a journey from and and kind of a smart thing with Charles Soule, I think, where you're you're not doing this. At a weird time in a Star Wars universe, you're doing it at in between Empire and Return of the Jedi, where when you end up having Luke go and finally show up in, in Jedi, he is a, you know, he's a Jedi there, but he's also very dark and things. And I think that that's played out well here that he could go to the dark side. We know he won't. But he's very vulnerable here because he couldn't get a hold of Ben and Ben wasn't there to help him. And you do end up having you know, pretty much the Millennium Falcon saved the day as it always does, because then they end up having missiles where even Lando, because Chewbacca tells him, and they're like, well, you got missiles. That's crazy. Well, what do you guys run into since I gave you this ship? No, I did give it to you. I, did. I almost made Chewbacca sound like a, a, a bird. What do you mean, Chewbacca? Shut up. Uh, so they end up missiling these guns on the the Star Destroyers as well, so the Rebel Fleet can get out. They do get out, and then you have what is the worst walk of shame you'd ever have. And I've seen some bad ones when I was in college. I mean, I really did. I I may have even walked a couple myself. Uh, Commander Zara has to do the walk of shame to go tell Darth Vader that she failed. And you get a good thing, too, where Charles Soule really does play the idea of a living, breathing universe where... Darth Vader says, you know, this this isn't the first time. You, you keep failing. You better not anymore. The Emperor's going to be real pissed. But she also says, well, you know, we did destroy the one fleet. This fleet got away, and I almost blew up the Millennium Falcon. I know that they say, you know, almost, hand grenades, that sort of thing, horseshoes. I don't know if you're a player there, Darth Vader. You'd probably be good with the Force. But I almost destroyed the, the Millennium Falcon. And he ends up, and this is where, you know, a couple things that I thought were a little off. And Darth Vader saying, no, that vessel is off limits. I'm aware of your hatred for Organa. She's irrelevant to me. You may kill her if you can, but another individual often flies aboard that ship. If he were to die, the consequences would be significant. It did not sound like Darth Vader. To me, that that panel and what I just read, that was not classic Darth Vader. Darth Vader to me would have just said the Millennium Falcon is for me. You know, I, I don't know the exact thing. I'm like, leave the Millennium Falcon to me. It's what I think he would say. You know, you, you back off, lady. Maybe that I, I've never heard him say stuff like that. Step off, woman. Now, I, but I think that he would have said the Millennium Falcon. Leave the Millennium Falcon to me. You just go do what you're told. Just or leave the Millennium Falcon to me. Just don't fail me anymore. Get out of here. You know, so I, I thought that that did play off a little odd. But then you do end up at the back up rendezvous point Gamma 9, where they are, you know, where you're going to have certain people looking out of the window as the Millennium Falcon probably eventually. But in this point, you end up where the rebels are trying to figure out what happened. 
because they're like, okay, two fleets got attacked and they were pinned down with without them even being able to move. The Empire knew what was going on. I thought they were going with the idea there was a traitor in the midst. But what they say is that they think that the Empire has figured out the code. They have figured out the code that the rebels are using. The problem is, is as you have one thing, you know, you have one fleet message to the other, they message back. Now you ping two things that the Empire knows exactly where you are. They're using that ping and going and destroying. So because of that, in a smart way that Charles Soule's playing here, the rebels where they are now at the rendezvous point, they definitely can't let the other fleets know to change the code. They can't have. So I, I guess where you're going to go from here is maybe a, you know, a squad to go. You, you were introduced to that one uh, fighter pilot, but also those uh, warriors, those soldiers uh, they had before. And I think that maybe we're going to get one of those things where they're going to have to go out and warn the fleets in person. We're going to see what's going on. Uh, but yeah, it's a pretty smart thing that the Empire now pretty much has them that where they can't communicate. And if they do, they're in big trouble. And the fleets that are still out there aren't aware of this, so they're going to communicate and they're going to be picked off. Well, you end up then having old Luke trying to get a hold of Yoda through the Force, trying to get a hold of him. You know, please, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I can still feel the Force, still use it, but I lost my lightsaber. I lost a lot of things. Please, I need your guidance, Yoda. And he gets mad and he yells, why won't you answer me? And when he does freak out like that, he almost shatters the glass that he's standing in, in the, you know, in the room that he's in on the spaceship. And this mirrored part of the other Star Wars run that we just end where Darth Vader freaks out and does the same thing again, trying to show you in my mind that these emotions are getting the best of them and it's going to lead to the dark side if he doesn't get guidance or if he doesn't calm down or whatnot. But he's trying to figure out, he even says then, I know Jedi aren't supposed to feel emotions. I know they're not supposed to feel uh, like all this anger and stuff, but I'm not a Jedi yet, Yoda made it clear. So it's almost like, yeah, I know what Yoda said. You know, He's talking to R2 and he's like, hey, I'm sorry, R2. And you know what? Yoda kind of warned me about this. He said, that you, you get emotional, dark side, all this, but you know what? Screw them. I'm not a Jedi yet. They, they told me. Now, the thing is, the, the play here in my mind still is that you left Dagobah, Luke. You were the one who went to Cloud City and kind of said to them, you know, screw you. My friends are more important. They warned you everything that was going to happen, and you basically dissed them and left. And so... I don't know that the anger would be that much. I know that it would be anger at the idea of what the heck's going on. Darth Vader's my father, you lying sack of crap there, Ben. But the idea of being mad at Yoda and Ben just because they're not talking to you, it's a little crazy. Like they've unfriended him uh, on Facebook and also blocked him on Twitter. And now he is triggered is what he is. And he ends up saying, I'm not a Jedi, so I can feel confused and angry. I can feel afraid and says, if Vader is my father, there's no way Yoda could have known. Ben, too, they lied to me or couldn't have known and says they lied to me. That's bad enough. But the biggest thing I'm worried about, if I'm not going to be a Jedi, what am I supposed to be? And then it says to be continued as he's looking at the cracked window. And I think that that's a pretty cool play. It's actually a pretty intriguing thing and a pretty big thing to throw in between two of the movies between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, where usually you're just going to get some generic story and, hey, you know, let's try to figure out this and it'll be a side story about somebody we don't know and things. And it looks like we're going to get some of that as well. But the idea of a journey of Luke and a journey to try to figure out if he's going to be a Jedi, if he's going to be a Sith even or, or nothing, uh, I think that that's well played out. Now, one of the things that I'm... I like Charles Sewell. I'm not a huge fan of Charles Sewell only because you. I just think he writes very technical. He knows how to write a comic. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes it comes off a little lifeless. Sometimes to me it comes off without any spark and things. But I think this has it. And it might just be that I love Star Wars, but I do think this has it. There, I said there was a couple things that I thought were a little off that Darth Vader speech that he gave, I think that was off. But I do like 
all the characters. I like these new characters and saying that I don't even know their names. I, I did. I don't remember them. I ended up going through that, but I like their look. And I like the one guy he even mentions he's got a, a wife and kids that's out there in the fleet and stuff. And I, I thought that that was well played as well. So I'm looking forward to continuing with this. I'm excited. Uh, Star Wars is a huge thing for me. I will tell you that I was not a fan of The Last Jedi. So if you want to yell at me, I've talked about this when I ended up doing Kylo Ren, number one. Uh, that was not my favorite of the movies. It kind of did not up. It, it it just depressed me a little in my Star Wars fandom. But The Mandalorian really got that back for me. I have yet to see Rise of Skywalker. I got dissed by my kids who ended up saying they were going to go. Stopped the plans with me. They they canceled those plans and then decided the last second they were going to go anyway and didn't tell me because that's what happens around here. Uh, so I have not seen The Rise of Skywalker. But my son, Zach... Uh, he told me that he hated it. My son Rafe said he loved it. And the others didn't really mention anything. So I, that's what I got. So I'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, the art in this is great. The the character, just the faces and the they're they're spot on. They are great. They look so good. And, uh, you know, and the new characters are intriguing and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say if you have any interest in Star Wars, you're probably already getting this. But if you didn't, it is well worth the deal to check it out. At least the number one, see if it's for you. I think it's for me. I'm going to give it an eight point. And you know what? I'm going to give it a nine. Nine out of 10 is where I'm going with this. I really liked it, but that's it. That's the end of the podcast. I hope I didn't go on and on uh, too much about the Star Wars, but I hope that you enjoyed the podcast. I hope that it surprised you. The couple books that I did end up talking about. Again, if you wanted to hear us talk about Thor or the new Hawkeye Freefall, that's over as a Patreon-only spotlight picked by the bad butts of the Fresh Start Crew. Beep, boop. And they, they like to pick the good things for them. Uh, also, the site, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, and also Twitter, WS Marvel Comics. And also, if you end up listening to this or you go over to the iTunes and you want to give us a review, yeah, do that. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. It'd be a pretty cool way to keep your pants up, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, you can go over there and review us, or if you can review us on any of the players that you end up listening. I told Eric that I think that the whole idea of leaving iTunes reviews and things like that, because there's so many other players, I do think that that's a thing of the past. It's like, you know, 2016 called, they want their reviews back. But if you're one that gives reviews and things like that, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Every time we get a review, good, bad, and different, it'll either make me smile, it'll make me, or stare blankly or maybe cry depending on which one you have to guess which is which there but thanks everybody that's it and i'll talk to you with brandon on monday